All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the one who was baptized in the first service and for those who joined. And Father, we pray, Lord, for Ms. Beulah Sellers family today. Minister grace and comfort to them. And thank you for those who are watching today by Facebook Live. Bless this time as we look at your word. Glorify Jesus and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Question. How many of you have ever needed help? A lot of you. You know what? There's more in, in this service than there was in the first service. <laughs> we all need help sometimes, do we not? Maybe it's in high school geometry or maybe you broke your arm, you had to go to the emergency room or or maybe you were moving from one place to the next and as Terry said, some of you've moved a lot and uh, it's difficult to do all by yourself, you need help. We all find ourselves in places where we need help. I know I do. I remember when I was uh, a teenager, my parents had sent me to pick up my younger brother at the local elementary school. You see, our high school was about 20 miles away from where we lived, but the local elementary school was only about a mile away, and so they have an activities bus that would come from the high school down to the local elementary school so we didn't have to drive so far to meet them and uh, or to pick them up. So uh, my parents sent me to the elementary school, which is about a mile away, to pick up my younger brother. However, as I sat there, I waited and I waited and I waited, and that activities bus was not coming nearly as quickly as I had thought that it would. And so I got a little bit anxious, and I decided I need to drive up toward the high school and see if maybe they've had a problem. So I start driving up toward the high school. I've gone about two miles, and I realize this is rather foolish on my part. What am I going to do when I get there? And there's more than one way to get from the high school to the elementary school, and so what if they go a different direction than, than I went? And so I said, I'm going to turn around. And and so I pulled off the highway and I turned down this gravel road in order to get turned around and I backed up. And when I backed up on that gravel road, I backed up a little too far and I backed off into a shallow ditch. I was stuck. I could not get my car out of the ditch. I backed up, tried to go forward, backed up, tried to go forward, did that three or four times, and I could not get out. Now, this is back in the 70s, okay? How many of you know that's way before the days of cell phones? Yeah. And uh, there was no one to call, and I thought, that activities bus is going to arrive at the elementary school with my little brother in it. It's going to be dark. Nobody's going to be there. My parents aren't going to know anything. What are we going to do? So I said, i got to have some help. So I ran out into the middle of the highway. I started waving my arms like this in front of this oncoming car. 
thankfully, she stopped. And she said, what's wrong? I said, I need a ride to the elementary school. And she let me come in and gave me a ride. I needed help, and I got some. How many of you have ever needed help? In the book of Exodus chapter 17, we see one of the greatest leaders the world has ever known. A man by the name of Moses. And Moses is going to need some help. Let's look at the context here in Exodus 17, starting in verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Now, who in the world were the Amalekites? I mean, there's a lot of ites in the Bible. You got the Canaanites and the Midianites and the Zuphites and the Hittites and the Stithonites, and the termites, and all these ites. Okay, I'm just kidding about some of those. There's a lot of ites in the Bible. But who in the world were the Amalekites? Or were they the descendants of Amalek? Doesn't help a whole lot, does it? Who was Amalek? Amalek was actually the grandson of Esau. You remember Jacob and Esau, the brothers in the Bible? They were actually twins, but uh, Esau was slightly older than Jacob. He came out of the womb first. But anyway, Jacob and Esau were the sons of Isaac, and Isaac was the son of Abraham. And so you have Abraham, you have Isaac, and you have Jacob and Esau. And the, the Jewish nation would come through Jacob, and uh, Isaac would end up being the father of the Amalekites. And... The people of Israel are marching through the wilderness on the way to the promised land. And while they're on their way to the promised land, they go through this territory of the Amalekites, and the Amalekites attacked them. Why? We don't know for sure. They may have felt threatened by the Israelites, or they might have thought they're easy prey. We can attack them and get some of their stuff. And so they attacked them. When they attacked them... Apparently, they attacked him at the rear where they had the baggage, and it was the weakest place in the Israelite nation. It was a place to attack if they wanted to attack, and so they attacked them back there where the women were taking care of the kids and where the senior adults, we got a senior adults in the room, got a few of us, okay, and maybe some people who couldn't move as quickly, and so they attacked there. But God says, we're not going to let them get by with that. In verse 9, Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Let me give you a couple of applications before we move on here. Notice, first of all, that God cares about the weak. He cared about those who were lagging behind in the Israelite nation. He cared about the weak when they got attacked. And he still does care about the weak. Think about it. In Matthew 25, Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was sick and you came to visit me. I was in prison and you visited me there as well. And the righteous will ask Jesus on day, that day, when did we see you sick? When did we see you in prison? When did we see you when you needed clothing? When did we see you when you were hungry or thirsty? And Jesus said this, if you've done it, Unto the least of these, my brethren, it's as though you have done it 
unto me. James 1.27 says, pure religion and undefiled is taking care of widows and orphans and keeping oneself unspotted by the world. Did you know that November is National Adoption Month? And thank God for many of you who do foster care or have adopted or you're thinking about adoption and those of you who are supporting those who are because God cares about the weak. Do you believe that? Absolutely. But be careful. Here's another point to remember about lagging behind spiritually. See, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be self-controlled. Be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, looking for whom he may devour. He's looking for people that he can devour, for people that he can bring down in their faith. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and following says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against all the schemes, all the wiles, all the tricks of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not the enemy. You may feel like it, you may act like it, but you're not the enemy, okay? We have an enemy. It's the devil and the forces of hell. But our battle is not ultimately against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces in an unseen world. Therefore, the Scripture continues in Ephesians chapter 6 to say, take up the full armor of God, that you may be able to resist the devil and stand firm on that day. Stand firm, therefore, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having your feet shod with the gospel of peace, taking up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Then he says this, above all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the fiery darts, all the flaming missiles, all the attacks of the devil. I don't know about you, but sometimes I let my shield of faith down. Do you do that? I get discouraged. I get frustrated. I look at the circumstances. Instead of looking at God, I let down my shield of faith, and I make myself vulnerable to attack. But the Bible says, keep up that shield of faith by which you can quench all the fiery darts, all the flaming missiles of the evil one. Hebrews 10.25 says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, as is such the habit of some, but all the more. We need to meet together for worship, for prayer, for study God's Word as we see the day of Jesus Christ coming. He is coming back. Do you believe that? And can I tell you a secret? It's closer than it's ever been. And we need to be ready. We need to come together and worship God and encourage one another together in the faith because there's a world out there that wants to discourage us. But I kind of tell you it's something else. Baptists are kind of like porcupines on a frigid, cold winter night. It hurts a lot to stick together. But it's too cold out there to stay apart. (laughs) We need each other. Amen? Because we face a common enemy. 
And we all have different abilities. Verse 9. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Moses tells Joshua, Your job, Joshua, is to take you some men and go down there and fight the enemy. My job is to stand back up here on the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Both jobs are important. The Bible compares the church to a body. Every member of the body has a specific responsibility. Did you know that? Take a look at your hand for just a moment. Wiggle your fingers, okay? You can write with your hand. You can grip things with your hand, can you not? But how many of you, when you want to fill out a form, you take your shoes off and your socks off, you stick an ink pen in between your toes and you start writing? You're way more talented than I am if you can do that. Why? Because your feet were not made to write. They're made to walk. How many of you, when you leave the building today... Rather than walking on your feet, you'll get on your hands and you walk all the way out this door and all the way to your car in the parking lot. I hope you didn't park in the back because it's really far on your hands. You're not going to do that because your hands were not made for that, were they? They're not. How many of you, when you go out to eat this afternoon and you order some food at a restaurant... And they bring your food to you. They set the plate in front of you. You're just going to set your face down there and just start eating away. Nobody's going to sit by you. You won't do that at home. You won't do that anywhere. Because your hands were made to pick up a fork and stick food in your mouth, right? You'd think we were crazy if we did that. Every part of the body has a, a function. How many of you have ever been in the military? Everybody in the military has a function. You don't want tank operators flying jet airplanes. You don't want people who fly jet airplanes commanding submarines. Everybody has a job. What if everybody in the army was a general? You'd have a lot of bosses, but you wouldn't get much done. You need some sergeant majors, right, and some other people to do stuff, right? It's the same in the church. Everybody has a function, and as we function together, it's a beautiful thing. We all have different responsibilities, And dependence upon God is a top priority. Verse 11 says, As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Did you get the picture here? As long as Moses is holding up the staff of God in his hands, the Israelites are winning. However, if he lets them down, what happens? They start losing. So if I'm Joshua down there and I start losing, I'm turning around looking at Moses. What are you doing, Moses? I need some help. Right? Get the picture. The battle 
is being fought in the valley. But it's actually being what? Where? Being one on the mountain. Still is. In Matthew 21, 22, Jesus said, In all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. James 5, 17 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person can accomplish much. How's your prayer life? In Matthew 7, 7 and 8, Jesus said, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door shall be opened. And the idea there is to ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Dependence on God is a top priority. But you may get tired before you win the victory. Verse 11 says, As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. But verse 12 says, Moses' hands grew tired. How many of you ever get tired? Tired, right? I've been trying to serve the Lord. I've been trying to get involved in church. I've been trying to read the Bible. I've been trying to live life for God. But I'm tired. Circumstances aren't easy. Stuff happens. People happen. I don't get everything that I want, and I'm just, I'm just tired. You ever get tired? God knew we would get tired. So he told us this in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He said, be steadfast. Immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It may feel like it's in vain, it may look like it's in vain, but it's not. You keep serving the Lord. Galatians 6 9 says, Let us not be weary in well doing. For in due season, in God's timing, we'll reap a harvest if we faint not, if we don't give up, if we don't quit. Hebrews 10, 34 and following. The writer of Hebrews, we've been studying this on Wednesday nights, is writing to a Christian Jewish audience. They are Jews who have become Christians. But the Christians are being persecuted. And some of them have been thrown into prison. And some of them have had their property taken away from them by the authorities. And some of these Jewish Christians are saying to themselves, it would be easier to give up on Christianity and just go back to being a good Jew and worship God that way. But here's what the author of the book of Hebrews says to them. He says, you sympathize with those in prison, and you joyfully accept the confiscation of your property. I don't know about you, but I'm not there yet. He said this, you sympathize with those in prison, you joyfully accepted the confiscation of property. Why? Because you knew you had better and lasting possessions. How many of you know we got better and more lasting possessions in heaven than we got down here? Amen? Absolutely. Then he says this. Do not throw away your confidence. You will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just a little while, 
he who is coming, that's Jesus, will come. But the just, the righteous in the meantime will live by faith. How many of you are living by faith today? It's so easy to get our eyes on the circumstances. It's so easy for me to get discouraged. It's so easy to feel like quitting, to feel like giving up. But God says, you stay in there with me by the grace of God. You see, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, God's divine power has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. Do you believe that? Everything you need to live the Christian life, God has given to you. But he says in that same chapter, in verse 5, he says, make every effort. Say, make every effort with me. Make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and knowledge, and self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12.2 says this. Looking unto Jesus, the author, and the finisher of our faith. Can I give you some advice? Don't get your eyes on the preacher. The preacher is far from perfect. He'll let you down. Don't get your eyes on the deacons. They're not perfect either. They'll let you down as well. Don't get your eyes on your husband. Don't get your eyes on your wife. Don't get your eyes on your parents. Don't get your eyes on your children. Get your eyes on Jesus Christ. He's the only one. Who never fails. He's the only one that we can ultimately and always count on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sometimes you may get tired before you win the victory. And sometimes we need help from others in God's family. Go back to verses 11 and 12. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Get this part. Aaron and Hur held his hands, Moses' hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. Get the picture here. Joshua is fighting the battle along with the soldiers down there in the trenches. And Moses is up here on the mountain holding up the staff of God. But who knows how long he had to hold it up? Maybe two, three, four hours. We don't know. But he got tired. And after a while, he lets his Hands down, he lets his hands down, Joshua and the army of Israel starts to lose. So Moses gets his hands back up again, but he can't keep holding them up. He lets them down. They start losing again. He picks them up, they start winning. He drops them down because he can't hold them up any longer, and they start losing again. So some of the Israelites got an idea. Let's get a rock and let Moses sit down on this stone And we'll get Aaron on one side of Moses, and this guy by the name of Hur, H-U-R, Hur, on the other side. Say Hur with me. Hur. And they held up the hands of Moses as Moses held up the staff of God until the Israelites won the victory. Aaron and Hur, they can't fight like Joshua. They can't pray like Moses. But they did what they could together. Moses was a great leader, one of the greatest leaders the world has ever known. 
Joshua was a great leader in his own right. Aaron, in his own way, was designated to be a great leader. He played a very significant role in the nation of Israel. Not only was he Moses' brother, he was the first high priest of Israel. Then you have her, H-U-R, her. How many of you know a whole lot about her? Not her like her, you know, her, H-E-R, but H-U-R, her, okay? Who in the world is her? We don't know much about him. The Jewish historian Josephus believed he was Moses' brother-in-law. We don't really know. He kind of steps out of nowhere under the pages of history. The guy probably doesn't have a huge amount of charisma or talent or influence, but what he does is vitally important. Without him, the battle would not have been won. Here's a man about whom we know next to nothing. Yet he enabled an entire nation to see a great victory. Today, I would like to pay tribute to every her in the room this morning, to all of you who are willing to serve behind the scenes. Thank you for doing that. Some of you have done and are doing that in the military, and I applaud you for that. And some of you are doing that right here at Northside Baptist Church. While we're up here in the sanctuary right now, there are people downstairs in the preschool, and they're changing diapers, and they're thinking, when is that preacher going to get done? And we will never know. But they're loving on our kids. They're sharing with them Jesus Christ. And some of them are down there working with our children. And they got kids bouncing off the walls. They had a whole lot of sugar before they came in here or whatever. And it's like, man! They're doing it behind the scenes. Think about the people in the sound booth. Nobody notices what happens in the sound booth until there's a mistake. When you got a problem with the sound or the slides are way off track, what happens? It's like whiplash. Boom! What is going on in this place? But as long as they're doing their job just right and the technology is cooperating with them, sometimes it's not their fault, we don't even notice. How many of you, don't raise, raise your hand, but how many went in the bathroom today? And when you got in there, there was toilet paper. You didn't even notice. But if you go into the bathroom... And there's not any toilet paper. What happens? Gary! Right? Where's the toilet paper? Gary, I doubt that many people thank you on Sunday for putting toilet paper onto all the rolls. Thank you. Thank you. It's like, doesn't happen, does it? I could go on and on and on about what so many of you do behind the scenes. Thank God for all of you who serve behind the scenes as well as on the stage. Hur wasn't a great leader like Moses. He wasn't a great general like Joshua. He wasn't a great high priest like Aaron. He wasn't even a warrior in the army. He's just her, H-U-R, her. Exodus 24, 14 does tell us later that Hur was a man of influence among people. 
but he's certainly no heavyweight like Moses or Joshua. He wasn't even a high priest like Aaron, apparently like a lot of you. He did most of his work behind the scenes. However, there's one thing that Hur could do on that day. And they did battle with the Amalekites, and he did it willingly, actively and faithfully. He could hold up the hands of Moses, and he did the best job that he could. What's God called you to do? Will you follow him? Will you serve him even when you don't get credit, even when nobody else notices when it, it's done right? They only notice when it's maybe not quite as good? We're all in this together. The church is a family. Yeah, sometimes we're like porcupines. We stick each other a little bit, but we still got to love one another unconditionally. Her is a man who lived in the shadows while others around him received the glory. In many ways, he was invisible to the crowd. After the battle, I can almost see Joshua, as one pastor said, coming back to camp and all the people are applauding. Way to go, Joshua. You were amazing. What a great military leader. And Moses is coming back, and the people are excited. I know they whine and complain sometimes, but today they're so excited to have Moses as their leader. And Aaron, the high priest, he's over there offering a prayer, and they're all out there in front of the people. And he got this guy by the name of Hur. Nobody notices. He just kind of walks back to his tent, goes back inside, sits down, has him some manna to eat. Maybe a little quail, whatever he had that time. Nobody really noticed what her did on that day. Perhaps. But there is one who noticed, and that is our God. People may never notice what you do behind the scenes. But there is one who notices, and that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And better to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant than to have all the accolades that people could ever give. i got to hurry. Go to verse 13. It says that Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. And from a human perspective, that's basically all that happened. Sure, there are a few old men up there on the hill holding up the hands of Moses and keeping up the rod of God, but it looked like to the people... That basically Joshua and his soldiers were winning the army. But there was a lot more to it than that. There were people behind the scenes. Verse 15 says, Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. That's Yahweh Nisi. The Lord is my banner. Banners like today's flags. They symbolize security and hope and freedom and victory. You know... The Lord is still our banner, our hope. He's still our security. He's still our freedom, and he's still our victory. Do you believe that? Romans 8.37 says you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you believe that? 1 John 4, 4 says greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. John 8.36 says he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Song of Solomon, while we're talking about obscurity, you don't hear a lot of quotes from the pulpit, from the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4 says this. God's banner over us is love. Aren't you glad? 
Yahweh Nisi, the Lord, is our banner. And your God loves you more than you have the capacity to love. Let me close with an action plan. Here it is. Find someone this week who needs encouragement. You're surrounded by them. It doesn't just have to be one person. It could hopefully be many. But find someone who needs encouragement. And you be an encourager.